Well, we're kind of starting out uh, here, as you can tell, a little bit of crazy terrain with Ozzy Osborne, unfortunately, here tonight with the Agview pitch. And we've got Chris Barron and Dwayne Lowry here. And uh, Dwayne, you can sit, go ahead and say hi, and, and we'll kind of get the conversation going. Hello, everybody. Uh, uh, Chris, uh, hi to you. And it definitely is uh, feeling like uh, crazy uh, here. And I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. But uh, it feels like we're kind of, uh, you know, for the long weekend, we kind of moved the calendar ahead three days, and it feels like everybody's kind of ratcheted up their level of understanding of what's going on or, or their respect for it or their fear of it. And all of it's kind of ratcheted forward uh, three days very quickly. And I think uh, that's uh, kind of uh, found in everybody's emotions on the subject. You bet. And I think we want to start out, you know, in the podcast and just kind of mention some disclaimers here. We're kind of enter entering into some uncharted territory here with all of the weather extremes that we've seen and we've and, and just all the challenges from uh, across the Corn Belt with with uh, cold, wet conditions and a lot of challenges and everything. So, um, you know, again, this podcast with the Agview pitch is for perspective. And so, you're going to basically get to sit along and ride along here with the conversation that Dwayne and I have on some of the things that are going on. And um, really, that's that's the point of, of the conversation is just to bring you some perspective, hopefully talk about some things that you're thinking through that might help with some decisions. And if any of you have specific questions and want to dial through specific uh, issues or, or questions, you can feel free to either email or call Dwayne or myself and we can kind of help you think through some specific situations because every operation is unique and different and going to have your own challenges and, and we'll all have to deal with those in our own operations that way. So, so Dwayne, you want to, you want to kind of, um, kind of start out, give us a little brief intro on kind of some of the things you think we might be encountering here. And, and, uh, as we go forward, I've got some, I've got an agronomic list and a couple other things that I think I want to bring up, but uh, let's get started with you, Dwayne, telling us a little bit about kind of what you're seeing as we move forward here in the next uh, couple of days. Well, we all know that we have a, a problem with weather, planning delays, and, and under uh, trying to figure out what the acres are. The marketplace has known this. Um, for the most part, prior to the last uh, hour of trading on Friday, I would say the market has been somewhat subdued in, in how it reacted to all this. Yes, we've put on 50, 60 cents, whatever. It's been off the lows since in the last two weeks. So that's somewhat dramatic. But on the, on the action during the day, each given day, it wasn't really that dramatic. Um, that may be about to change. The uh, <clears throat> forecast today, uh, if you want to count raindrops, it's possible you could say the forecast is a little bit drier today than what it was on Friday. Uh, there are some drier uh, windows out there. Um, depending on your, your location, you may get a few days of drying out, but those few days of, of lack of precip do not uh, equate to the number of days you're going to be able to be in the field. Um, so that's still an issue with uh, keeping planning slow. Um, we're also at the point where you know, the South Dakota producer, um, which just received heavy rains again uh, this weekend, um, they tend to uh, be very respectful of the planting dates. They don't like to plant late. Uh, the plain states can get very hot and they have uh, actually pay a little bit of a premium to get a little better prevent plant coverage in their insurance policy. So you're, you're led to believe that they're going to be more quick to take prevent plant 
uh, option as opposed to the Eastern Midwest producer that really doesn't have a history of use, utilizing the program. So we have a lot of a lot of balls up in the air. We really don't know how they're all going to fall uh, and, and how they're going to be juggled up here. But uh, forecast is slightly drier, so you, you do have that. But uh, I don't think that it's altering the overall situation very much. We still have the calendar moving forward. Uh, we're going to face um, prevent plant acreage that uh, a week ago was still seen as a little bit um, uncertain and uh, uh, then quickly became a, a three million acre kind of uh, conservative, reasonable expectation. I think that figure is probably up to four, four and a half million acres now. Um, you, you can find people talking about 10 million acres of prevent plant, but um, the in order to get that to happen, you'd have to have the eastern Midwest producer utilize prevent plant maybe a lot more than what he wants to. And uh, I'm not sure that's the case yet. I think 6 million acres of prevent plant on corn is very possible. Um, the Eastern Midwest producer has a high APH. He's very confident in his ability to uh, grow corn. He knows if he plants corn in the 1st of June, he's gonna take a yield reduction, uh, but he thinks he might still pencil out better than a prevent plant option. And I think that's probably the case up for the first few days of June. If you get to June 5th through, through June 10th, I think that's a difficult decision for them to make. And if it's uh, after June 10th, I don't think uh, people are going to want to plant corn in the eastern Midwest. I think they take prevent plant. Right now, the forecast probably does not indicate that uh, they won't be able to plant until the 10th of June. At least uh, there's still a level of optimism that they'll, they'll get there. So I think you'll get some prevent plant in the east, but not as much as some of the maybe worst fears. Then it becomes a question as to what kind of national yield are we dealing with? Um, I happen to think that the acres in the east are some of your higher producing acres uh, in the in the national equation, and if you uh, shave them, that has a bigger influence than if you're shaving places that are helping to weigh down the the national yield. And so um, um, everybody will argue about how much of a yield potential that that we might shave, but let's just put it this way: uh, it's not difficult to get uh, <clears throat> the um, corn carry out for next year uh, plugged in at uh, under a billion and it doesn't take much of an imagination to actually get it down closer to zero and I think the marketplace right now uh, may might want to protect against this idea of, of a zero carry out and an idea that we have to ration demand and then the question is where is this going to come from if we have to ration demand <clears throat> the marketplace sees that 50 cents from on top of current prices is not enough to do that and all of a sudden uh, you're talking about 450 corn. And uh, to be honest with you, I think the conversations are starting to evolve where suddenly $5 corn doesn't look like you're in crazy town. You know, $5 corn looks plausible. You're and, on crazy uh, train. Crazy train, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so uh, I, I don't know. Anything I say here um, is gonna sound very inflammatory and I really trying to protect against doing that. But at the same token, I am trying to convey to you that the uh, traders, the farmers themselves, the speculators, the commercial traders, every single sector of the trade that I talk to has elevated their level of respect and concern over the situation very significantly since, say, Thursday of last week. And I can't help but think that manifests itself in a uh, notable price reaction this week. 
And I don't think people will care so much about exactly what the planning progress was or is in tomorrow afternoon's report. I don't think they'll care a lot about how many days of uh, drying we have in the forecast, because along with the planning date, you also have uh, a lot of the acres that were planted this last week were planted in less than desirable conditions. You got, you know, waterlogged soils. You got uh, a lot of things that agronomically are a potential problem. They're not a given that'll be a problem, but they certainly elevate the risk. And right now, I think the marketplace has to be uh, concerned about all that. What's your thoughts, Chris? Well, I, I just started before we got on here, I think I was telling you before we started um, recording the podcast here that I just was kind of jotting down some of the things I'd been hearing from our clients on agronomic challenges and I started jotting them down it turned into the top 10 list unfortunately and I don't have it in any order but just to rattle it off um, you know we've had limited GDUs and so you know I don't know if that directly equates to yield but it sure slowed us down a lot you know as far as having any kind of advantage to the earlier planning because of the cool conditions we've got reduced stands across the board and almost every grower I've talked to that has corn up you know, not not terrible, but reduced to a degree. They're just happy that they're as good as they are. Um, saturated soils, um, compaction and planting and conditions that weren't weren't suitable. Um, you know, late planting technically started last week. I know the you know, so we talk about the prevent plant, but if you look at the, you know, talk to any of the agronomists, they'll tell you from any anywhere along along the corn belt, they'll tell you if you know, a week ago, more than a week ago, we were outside of our optimal planning window, you know, just because it's the it's the last planning date on insurance, you know, it's it's a week ahead of that when you start sacrificing some yield. So that's number five. And then you um, you look at the forecast, which is number six and number seven on the list of 10, you've got um, still really cool forecast. You know, I was just watching two or three um, pretty well-respected forecasters um, out there looking at the whole month of June is going to be pretty cool, um, pretty much across the entire Corn Belt. Um, and then, you know, it's wetter than above normal um, wetness across that whole time frame. So, you know, maybe that's a good thing, though, because we don't get super hot and, and, and dry. So we'll kind of see what that shakes out to. But all that water and that saturated soils for those who did have nitrogen on they've got leaching potential um you know we we set we're setting ourselves up for some disease um issues and a few things like that down the road um because of the the conditions so you know we've we've opened ourselves up to that and then the other thing too is i've talked to quite a few people that either have or they're going to now start to switch to some earlier hybrids and earlier varieties on both the corn and soybean side of things maybe not so much yet on the soybean side, but the thought process is there and that all equates to lower yield. So that's my kind of top 10 list, Dwayne, of what I'm hearing. And that all equals significantly lower yields um, than trend line across the board. And that, and this is the good stuff. This is the stuff that's planted for the most part too. So, um, you know, the problem or the scary part for me, Dwayne, is that, you know, sometimes as producers, we can be smarter than the market you know, we, we know what's going on and we think, well, we should have the price just go to the moon or really take off and compensate us for um, all the prevent plant and what's going on. But I think there's, there's probably um, the need for 
caution here too, though, isn't there, Dwayne, to um, be aware of all these things and then just kind of watch this market and don't get overly emotional, but but just keep track of things on a daily and weekly basis, both on the market and the agronomy side and, and you know, because there's going to be a lot of math to do here, I think, in the next um, week or two here for the unplanted acres and the planted acres as, to far, as far as how we want to manage um, yields and, and potential as well. So, I don't know, that's my comment, Dwayne. Well, it's often true, almost always true, that the farmer uh, becomes more nervous about their yield potential than the marketplace in general. And that's probably been more true over the last several years than it would have been, say, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, then uh, the speculator was maybe more interested in embracing those fears as well. The last several years for maybe legitimate reasons, maybe not legitimate reasons, the marketplace has become extremely confident in uh, seed genetics. They've become extremely confident in producers' uh, ability to use technology to, to get an advantage with uh, crop spacing and, and uh, everything. And uh, so, and they, they oftentimes in recent years, the, the yields have been a pleasant surprise compared to some people that maybe had stress at different times in the growing season. And so that's been a common theme. But I think it's also true that that creates a very complacent view on the part of the speculator that maybe is not wanting to embrace this uh, potential bullish concern very much. Um, I think that would be where that we were at for much of last week. I think where we're at today is slightly different. I think where we're at today is a much more um, significant concern on the part of the people that normally would be complacent. I think they do see the historic nature here. I mean, we've never had this small a percentage of our planned corn acreage uh, planted as of this date, never had it. We've never had areas in the Eastern Midwest that are contemplating or faced with the potential to consider prevent plant uh, like we, what we are this year. Um, we've, uh, never had so many acres planted later than the optimum time frame. We probably never had so many acres impacted by such a broad area of excessive water at this growing season. This is even worse than, than you know some of the wettest times we've mentioned in history. So to, to use the word historic here to describe the situation, I think is accurate. And um, I wanna go back to something I've been saying for several months, and that is it's important to recognize that we talk about the supply side, and that's basically what our focus is here, but we have a huge demand base. I mean, we have a huge demand base in corn from multiple sectors, and we have a situation that despite record yields the last couple of years, you still have had a declining carryout the last two years. And uh, we're not going to have a record yield this year, and we're going to uh, shrink our carryout projection, and then it becomes a matter of degree. And so I think the marketplace is, is uh, beginning to uh, agree with that concept. And then uh, the, the trade is still short. You know, we've rallied corn as far as we have off the lows, 60, 70 cents, whatever it's been. And the uh, spec is still carrying a large short position. And if you think the spec is just gonna cover his shorts and then walk away, uh, you're crazy. They are gonna cover their shorts and they're gonna build a long position. Right, wrong, or indifferent, that's well, what they're going to do. And that's my question. How long do they hang on? I mean, 
it's been they've been riding this so i mean how much longer before that portion of your description of you know optimism for the market to go up starts to impact it you know because I, I think they hit the panic button this week i think i think the calendar is too far i think the long weekend helps to to add to that level of urgency and it is true that some will say, well, look, it's, we got a few more dry days in the forecast, but I think that's a dangerous crutch to try to lean on. I don't think that will hold um, much support to them. So what, I, I think the, the specs uh, seek the exit door this week. What about end users, too? I mean, I think they, I think they've been put on notice and I think they've been complacent and see, didn't see a need. But I'm I'm guessing they're in the same boat. I think they're looking to, to get coverage. And if you happen to be a user in the in the Dakotas, you're probably wondering where in the world you're going to get your physical supply. You might be able to buy some paper or options or futures or spreads, but you're wondering, where am I going to get my physical supply? So yeah. it, it it's an interesting uh, scenario that's playing out here and and uh, I know it sounds inflammatory how I'm describing it but I I I don't see that it's an unreasonable way to describe it so from a practical standpoint then you know I mean we're 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 dealing with this crazy train basically potentially and as we look at where most of us are sold you know when we talk to growers across the US and our our you know cross-section of the world, let's put it that way. Um, I think, you know, you and I have talked offline and I think we've characterized, you know, there's probably a lot of growers out there somewhere in that, you know, 10 to 45% sold, let's say average, maybe a lot of growers being in, around an average of 30% sold, but that's 30% sold of expected production. And so let's say you know and obviously everybody's got to do this individually in their own situation you know it might be somebody that's completely planted or somebody that's not planted anything but if you're that somebody that's limited on what you've got planted or very little done or in an area where you're planted but things aren't looking so hot you know all of a sudden that 30 percent sold could be 60 percent sold or even more so you know from a practical standpoint what should we be thinking about or what actions should we be maybe starting to consider to mitigate that risk if it's there what what should we be doing well everybody's in a different situation both both in their cost of production their their um you know um, their overall financial picture um their willingness to um, um, manage risk um, and i don't care what we think we might be dealing with or where we think prices might go if you go into the corn market and put on a long position after it's had a, a type of runoff that we've already had, you know, hey, that, there's risk involved in that. I mean, you can't say that there's not. There's definitely risk involved in that. I um, am hesitant to say how a, a producer should react to this, but I, I think that um, it's quite common that people have maybe more corn sold in advance this year than they have in recent years because they've been so beat down in uh, uh outlook and, and hope that th through the winter months, uh, I was surprised when it, when I would talk to producers about their crop insurance discuss discussions and their, their uh, considerations. Part of that process, you ask them how many acres or how many bushels they have sold. And it was very common to find 25 to 30% sold at that time 
And I'm not so sure so there hadn't been a few more sales done since then. So um, if, if, if you're in the, a certain area that you have not completed your corn planting yet, that 25 or 30% that you had sold, uh, number one, it's sold at probably 20 cents lower than where it is right now. And uh, all of a sudden, if you thought you were 25% sold um, using your APH or something even more optimistic than your APH, and now you think you're, you know, something less than your APH, all of a sudden that percentage is something higher. Um, my, my first thought is, and I understand that as prices go up, there's a desire to make sales because it, we're moving into profitable zones. I understand that. But my, my first thought is, I think the producer needs to take an, an approach here that to, to uh, be slow to make sales because not only are we dealing with the, the here and the now and the planning delays and all that goes with that, your agronomic top 10 list, and you're, you're dealing with uh, possible loss of acreage, we still have the growing season in front of us. And we have now pushed our key pollination period deeper into the summer where you're more prone to heat. It's also a situation that you're more prone to dryness if that were to suddenly change. And all of that creates enough uncertainty that the marketplace is going to have a difficult time, you know, breaking much from current levels, given any uh, input that we might imagine in front of us. If, if we're So if we are just looking at stabilizing at current prices as a worst case scenario, I think the producer uh, should find value in just uh, the value of time to be able to, to spend more time evaluating this and, and seeing what we're doing. So my inclination is to uh, be very uh, careful in pricing more bushels. Uh, we Maybe we would talk about this in a different segment in our podcast, but I'm thinking of it now, so I'm going to throw it out there. The other thing that, the one thing I have heard that concerns me a lot, I've heard a lot of producers talk about their December 20, next year's corn production, and they see prices out here at 414 is where that settled, and they're saying, you know, maybe I need to make some of those sales. Maybe I'll sell some D20 at 425 or whatever figure they want to put on that. I think that's dangerous because if uh, what I've described here overall is true and the carryout gets to a level where we have to ration demand, next year there will be a push to increase corn acres. And I don't know how much you can say it's 3 million or 6 million or whatever, how many acres you think we might have to increase, but the marketplace is going to send a signal for more corn acres next year. That means your cost of production for corn is going to go up, and I don't think it's going up a little. You got a lot of seed acres that aren't going to get planted in the U.S. this year. That's cost of that $300 bag of seed is going up. The cost of fertilizer is going up. That's a tightly held um, pricing structure controlled by a small uh, group of, of uh, entities. And uh, we all have seen it before that when there's a demand for that product, suddenly prices go up significantly. And if the price of corn does move up and they see an opportunity that uh, you can pay more for it, you can bet that it's going to happen. So what even if you think 414 or 425, these 20 corn is an attractive figure, you're making that decision based on current input costs. And I'm here to argue that input costs for next year could be significantly higher than what you were looking at this year. Yeah, one thing we do, Dwayne, sometimes if a grower is wanting to do that, you know, we'll we'll look at a percentage of a of of a purchase of say their P and K or something, and it's a certain dollar amount, then maybe we'll sell that dollar amount of grain, but you want to do it one to one. And not exactly what you're saying. I agree 100%. You don't want to go out there 
because that happened, I think it was back in like 2009, if I remember right, you know, the, um, it, it, it kind of happened. Everybody did it the other way. They bought their inputs and then the price went down, you know? So if you're, if you're reaching out two years out or one year out, even you want to make sure you kind of align that margin of, of dollars and, and keep, keep, um, a handle on exactly where you're at. So I buy into that for sure. Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it just looks like it's going to be a different set of numbers you're working with next year for cost. And part of that's going to depend on one, does the corn market actually go up? Number two, how much does it go up? And number three, the strength in this corn market is going to occur everything in the front end. And, and it, that means these 20 is going to be the last market that wants to go up because that was, is the opportunity for everybody to start over, hit the reset button and return to expect and trend line or better yields. That's the opportunity where the user says, well, I don't need to buy anything out there. I'll worry about that later. My concern is in the, the uh, 1920 marketing season, not the 2021 marketing season. Well, and the so, bad part of that too, Dwayne, the bad part of that is a lot of times that front in movement influences the cost of production out there too because Absolutely. you know that adjustment uh, made on NP and K and some of those you know commodities that kind of the price will hold and that's the challenge. Absolutely, and uh, when we get to a point where um, prices are inverted and nearby prices are higher than what the the, the next crop year will be. Um, it's been my experience that everyone, whether it's the producer, the supplier, the speculator, anything else, everybody's viewpoint as to what corn is worth is always based on the higher front end price. They don't base anything off of, off that new crop price. So even if the new crop price stays, you know, discounted to old crop, I guarantee you the fertilizer industry will price it as if it was pricing the old crop. Right. They won't give you a break for the new crop. So I'm just saying that I would uh, exercise some caution about thinking about marketing anything in 2020 uh, at the present time. And I would be trying to figure out if there's anybody that uh, will give you lock in some of your input costs and uh, and how feasible that would be and, and what kind of price you'd be dealing with it. Uh, may, maybe the opportunity won't be there, but I think it'd be worth exploring. Yeah. And you know, and we're kind of, again, um, from a disclaimer perspective, we're talking about some big picture things here. And again, just to remind people, you know, to call us one-on-one -on -one and we can talk more specifically on a specific situation because everybody's, depending on where you're at in the country and all those kind of things, it has um, an impact on, you know, what the right decision for somebody in South Dakota is going to be probably quite a bit different in Ohio or, or you know, that as an example. But um, cause, you know, cause I, I, you know, I think what a lot of growers would want me to be asking you, Dwayne, is so what do we do? You know, what, what should we do now? And I guess that's my answer is, you know, talk to us one-on-one -on -one if you have a specific question, because for us to do absolute specifics with the exception of talking about perspective and where some of these things can trend and go, I think in, and throwing caution out there where we see the need for caution is real important. And having said that, Dwayne, is there any other spots from the producer's perspective that we need to, to um, recognize that the caution light is on and see an area that we haven't discussed here yet today? Well, not one that comes to mind. I mean, the, the big picture thought is uh, 
production costs for next year could be quite different than this year. And then the year percent sales of, of 2019 production, you know, um, might look different than what you thought based on your yield potential and everybody's different. If you're, if you're happen to be in an area that you didn't get the heaviest of rains and you got stuff in in April and your corn is up and your stand is relatively good, um, you probably feel relatively confident about your yield potential and justifiably so. The problem is there's a, a smaller percentage of acres than normal that are in that position and a larger percentage of normal, in fact, historically a larger number of acres that are facing a much more challenging situation. So I guess um, I'm inclined to think that uh, producers always need to look for profit opportunities, but sometimes um, I think there's a little wisdom in just being a little slow and seeing if you if time doesn't uh, afford you a better understanding and a better picture of what you're dealing with. And I'm not so sure that time embracing that time might not be a good investment right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any other things? I think, you know, we're getting up close to a half an hour here. There's probably some things that, um, you know, some of the growers out there are thinking, you know, talk about this or talk about that. You know, if there are things that, that you guys specifically have questions on that you want us to talk about, you want us to discuss, make sure that you either email Dwayne or myself um, or Shay or Alyssa so that we can get um, get that on the list of topics for discussion. And again, if there's anything specific that you guys want to want to talk about. So, um, you know, I think Dwayne, um, just for a reference point for everybody, we're probably looking at uh, having the next podcast, um, if it works for you, maybe Tuesday um, sometime after the report, Tuesday evening or late afternoon. Does that work for you? Yeah, I think we could ad address the weather, get a better picture on what the dry window looks like. If, if there is one, uh, we'll be able to assess the planning progress. And we'll also be able to assess how the market react to this after the long weekend. I do. I did think of one other thing I want to mention just in passing, and maybe we'll talk about it more in, in tomorrow's podcast. But there's a there's a belief in the marketplace, and I understand it, it's justified um, on many levels, that soybean market uh, is something completely different than the corn market. And we have such a huge and massive, excessive amount of supply in the U.S. and South America uh, for soybeans, and, and that's not uh, an inaccurate statement. But I would point out that um, we don't know what our prevent plant acres will be in beans, and hopefully it won't be as as much as uh, the, the corn or anything like that. And hopefully the, this weather situation will turn. But if you take a few, a couple million acres of prevent plant and beans in some locations, and if you start shaving national yield potential because, uh, and I, you know, maybe even more aggressive on the loss of potential than just the word shaving, but uh, because of the planning date and the, I mean, as a week ago, we, or as of tomorrow night, or as of right now, the marketplace thinks it's going to, we're 30% planted. That's 70% of your beans are going to be planted basically June 1st or later. That That is a concern. And all of a sudden you could, it's not difficult to take, you know, 300 million bushels off your bean carry out. And then next year, if we're going to have a push for corn acres because we the marketplace says we need corn acres and you start taking your soybean acres down by three to three to six million because it's needed for corn suddenly your bean carry out is no longer burdensome and then you have to wonder uh if beans are justified at, at being at uh, near 12 year lows and so it's possible that 
it won't be too many weeks before we're having a completely different conversation about the, what the soybean market outlook is too. So I just want to throw that out. Yeah, that's definitely something we'll be watching as, as time goes on here. And um, well, thanks everybody for, for listening. Um, Dwayne and I, uh, again, are available email or phone calls for conversation or discussion, throw us topics, discussion that you'd like to hear. And um, from the ag view pitch and on behalf of, uh, everybody, uh, Shay and Alyssa and myself, and, and thanks a lot, Dwayne, um, for being on here with us. And we want to uh, um, keep things rolling here and we'll see kind of what the action does here overnight and in the next day or so. And we'll, we'll talk again here uh, late in the day on Tuesday. And thanks a lot. Talk to you soon, Dwayne. Thanks everybody for listening.